You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with Jill's Golden Goose. She is someone <laughs> who is making baking accessible to everyone, no matter their skill level, while looking perfectly vintage. Welcome to the show, Baker Betty. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, we're very excited. Oh. It's it's an understatement how excitement. <laughs> My husband was trying to talk me down. He's like, "Okay, breathe. You got to remember to breathe through the whole thing." And I'm like, "Okay, I got this. I got this. I'll be fine. It's fine." This is your this is your Hayden oh, moment. This is Hayden. This is your Hayden. I we had a guest on the show that is a. Uh, expert in Victorian morning and sentiment jewelry, oh. and that is my like chef's kiss. Yeah, love it. Yeah, <laughs> so you're Jill's Hayden. <laughs> love it. Well, I'm happy to be here. Yes, we are so excited to talk about all the things that you're doing. But when I was reading over your guest email and hearing about different parts of your childhood, because that's where we're going to start today. <laughs> okay, you had like it's very eclectic. Yes. And cool, like your parents owned a photography business, but not a regular photography business. Yeah, so so my parents started like an old time photo traveling business in the 70s, like I think 75. I think my mom was like 19 years old or something. <laughs> they were very young and they did that for 10 years. Now, I actually was not alive during this time. They they ended up selling the business right before I was born. Okay. But I believe that was kind of what really started their, you know, big interest in collecting. And they did own like a photography studio the rest of my life that was like a stationary studio in our hometown. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that that really jumped them off in their collecting because they were always looking for antiques, clothes and props and things to use for their business. And growing up, I would go to their photography studio all the time and they just had this huge prop room that was just filled with vintage things, antiques, clothes, all kinds of things. And I would just play in there and look around all the, oh, the stuff. So cool. And then our house was just filled with vintage things and antiques. And now when I look back on, you know, the way my husband was raised or the way a lot of my friends were raised, I mean, you don't think your life is different when you're growing up in it, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, like our house, I always call it kind of like, it, it was like a museum. You would go down into our basement, which is kind of like our family room. And we had a 1950s jukebox that played, like you'd put a nickel in and you could pick a song and play. And that's what me and my friends would just like hang out down there and play music on our jukebox. And we had a 1950s Coke machine and we had a pinball machine down there. And at one point we had one of those little mechanical horses that, you know, that sit out in front of a grocery yeah. store oh, and yeah. it worked. It was plugged in. You could put a nickel in it, <laughs> ride it. Like We had like a phone booth in our house that was like the working phone that we used. Oh, yeah. No, that was very. <laughs> if I had a friend like that, I'd never leave their house. I... Yeah. <laughs> I bring like, like a bag full of nickels and yeah. be like, let's go. <laughs> but I didn't know this wasn't like 
I don't know. It yeah. just was normal. It's just how I grew up. Well, and your parents, because they were not doing normal photography, were they still, so they started, they were doing like traveling tintype photography. Right. And were they still doing tintypes in their studio? Or did no, they switch I, to traditional? I think that maybe for a little while they did do like some events where it would be like, okay, this is the day we're going to do that stuff and you could come to the studio. But no, then they switched over to portrait photography. So they were they were the people you went to to get your senior pictures done or to have, you know, they would come to your wedding, family yeah. pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, okay. Because having a jukebox in your basement is cool. Having a house with a like... What were they collecting? Were they just like magpies? Was it everything that they could get their hands on? So my mom was a red depression glass collector. That was kind of like one of the things she focused on. So when she, when they got married in the seventies, she registered for red depression glass as her like wedding gifts instead of, you know, going to Sears or wherever, Mm -hmm. like picking out new patterns. She wanted like 1930s depression glass as her wedding gifts. And so that was the first thing that she would collect. And then she got really into Coca-Cola stuff. I think it started because my dad found the 1950s Coke machine uh-huh. for like $100 and just decided to buy it one day. And then she got really into it. So growing up, our whole house had like 1950s Coca-Cola advertisements on the walls. And the um, actually the first house I ever lived in was like a, an 1880s. Victorian house and she like redid the kitchen which is maybe maybe some some people wouldn't agree with doing this but she like made the countertop like had them redone they were bright red like coca-cola red countertops and like our whole kitchen was just like bright red coca-cola red so that was her big thing um and then my dad because he was a photographer he collected vintage cameras so I actually see some in, yeah. in your background there. <laughs> yeah, up on that. Yeah. That's yeah, so he, my husband's collection is vintage okay. cameras. Yeah. I have a few of his cameras. Um, but so he was a big vintage camera collector and he also collected fedora hats and then he would wear them. So he had a, a big collection of fedora hats. So it was kind of all, all over the place, all kinds of things. <laughs> it sounds like the perfect type of madness. Yeah. Really. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Because a vintage soda ephemera. Is really, it's like a cult. Yeah. Which don't it, come it for me. That I is. know. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she doesn't collect it anymore. And uh, when we were like in high school, she actually sold most of it. She has a few things still, but yeah. She there, hit her Coca-Cola har- rock bottom. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think she kind of just grew out of interest in when you have kids and other things feel yeah. more important maybe, but mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a three-year-old and it's definitely shifted the things that I collect or the things that I uh, put that are uh, accessible on the first floor of my house. All of my breakable stuff is in the basement that he doesn't get to come down to (laughs) because I don't trust him. But I, I recently had my grandmother started collecting pink depression glass for me when I was an infant. And I'm now currently going, where the hell am I going to put this? Yeah, you got a lot. Yeah, I needed like a second. She thought you were going to throw in these big fancy parties is what she thought. (laughs) Yeah. Little did she know I was going to be an introverted extrovert. Yeah. Yeah. Little did she know. And also, I don't know that I would like set out all of my depression glass for a party because people suck. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know what they're handling. No. Yeah. But I want to talk about 
this Victorian, which I was reading your email again last night down here in the dark of my basement. And I got to the haunted part, which maybe <laughs> that's why the ghosts were mad is because your mom painted the kitchen Coca-Cola maybe, yeah. red. <laughs> it's possible. Because <laughs> you were little I mean, when you lived in that house, right? Yeah. So uh, th- my parents bought it right, right after they got married. So they lived in it for, you know, 20 something years. But I only lived there till I was six years old. I do have a decent amount of memories there, though, because I remember being very scared living there. Um, I don't know why. I think I think, you know, old houses just kind of have a little spooky feel anyways. But Mm -hmm. I remember there was like a servant staircase that come down into the kitchen and I would not use it. I was like terrified of that staircase and I would like run past it to get by it. But my sister and my parents have lots of stories about the house being haunted when we lived there that so like the basement was a completely unfinished basement it just had like a dirt floor in it there was you know nothing just like a boiler down there and they would hear growling sounds coming from down there that was not like a sound from a boiler like it sounded like something down there growling all the time and the lights would turn on and off by themselves and there's lots of stories of like them leaving the house or coming down the street to like pull in the driveway and them seeing a woman standing in the attic window. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And they lived so, there for 20 years. Yeah. They lived there for a long time. So then they like looked up how to do sort of like a, a cleansing on the house <laughs> and they sort of like tried to perform like an exorcism type situation on the house. And then they said after that, it kind of all stopped. They like asked, asked whatever was there to leave and to leave them alone. Yo, you got to go. It, it, it kind of stopped. But it's the one of the funny things is that my mom always kind of wanted to keep it a secret because she wanted the house to sell when they were ready to leave. Oh. But, <laughs> but my dad thought it was like a fun party story to tell. And no. so he would, t- he would tell people all over town. And then my mom said one day, these people just like showed up at the house and were like, can we tour your haunted house? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And your mom's like, damn it. Yeah. You're like, oh, we were so see, I told you. I told you that's what's going to happen. Right? He's like, yeah, come on in. Let me show you. Which the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, so it's like the Adams family house. Yeah, that's how I feel that it was. Especially the growling down in the basement yeah. because that one creature mm-hmm. lived in the basement. Also, yeah, no. Uh, the first house that, well, the house I grew up in was super haunted. It wasn't super old. It was like an early 1900s, but yeah, it was like the basement was terrifying. That's where our bedrooms were. And my (laughs) two older brothers, we were talking one day. We never talked about it together. And I was talking to my mom and I was like, no, when I would get up in the morning, I would haul ass up the stairs and something would follow you. And then my brother looks at me and my other brother looks at me. And then we all just kind of did this like, oh, (laughs) No, my mom was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we were all just like, yeah, that basement sucked, mom. Don't buy haunted yeah. houses. Mm, yeah, no. Terrifying. Yeah. My house is not. <laughs> my house is boring now. Yeah. Same. Same. Thanks, boring Same. house. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's that's how I prefer my houses. Completely boring. Same. <laughs> no spiritual activity <laughs> that I am not inviting in. Please, thank you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> So, okay, so I, I, I'm imagining that you, did your parents have you later in life? Yeah, so um, I was born in 86, and I think 
they had been married for like 13 or something years before they they had me so they weren't they got married you know very young Mm -hmm. so but they waited to have kids are you their only child no so my sister's three years older than me so she actually traveled with them her first few years of life when they were doing their tintype photo um, business and so they would take her to fairs and carnivals all over the u.s and just i think they hired somebody to kind of like watch her while they were working um but (laughs) yeah 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 so she she had a, a interesting first few years of life. <laughs> I just parenting was buck wild back. Oh yeah, back then. Yes. Yeah. Can you? I mean, there are there are definitely people who travel with their their kids, but it's definitely not a thing that people do as much anymore. No, I wouldn't. I I always try to take a trip at least by myself without. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just like. I just remember, yeah, I remember my mom hauling us everywhere. Yeah. Like, we never left your side. No. But if she was tired with us, she'd be like, go play and don't come home till it's dark. Right. Like, okay. Like, wander around. No cell phones, just buck wild yeah. out in nature. Yeah, I I feel like I was thinking, talking to my husband about that recently, that, like, I feel like our summers were just spent running around our neighborhood with no adults. I mean, I'm sure they did know we what we were doing but it felt like they didn't mm-hmm. and then the, our neighborhoods would come over and play in our basement with our jukebox and did their parents know where they were i don't think so <laughs> you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah our house was the popsicle house so like we would all be this roving street gang of children and then everybody would be like i want an otter pop and so we'd pile through my front door 10 kids clean out the freezer go back to the pool yeah, and I lived right. on base, and so there were parks everywhere, oh. so you'd always meet at the park. Yeah. And then I remember one time, the sprinklers came on, and so it was a muddy mess. So then we just like were like oh. pigs rolling in mud, <laughs> like slinging it everywhere. And I come home, and my mom's just like, what in the hell? And I'm like, oh, it was the sprinklers came on, so we just played. And she's like, and you didn't think to just come home? Yeah. I'm like, well, no, you told me not to come home till dark. And it's dark now, so, and so I just remember her getting the hose and like spraying me off, oh, and then man. I could come in the house. <laughs> She's like, "Come in I, now, you That's can come in to enter through the garage." I know, I did. I had to come <laughs> in through the garage and like, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was like a a different time for sure of like parental supervision and there was yeah there would be times but you always came home and your parents knew that you had like done something you weren't supposed to be doing. So they'd be like, were you doing X, Y, Z? And you're like, I was four blocks away. <laughs> yeah. Now I just realized that I never whispered when I thought I was whispering because my kids will do that now and oh. I'll pop out of nowhere and be like, I don't think so. And they'll be like, what? We didn't, we didn't say anything. And I'll be like, you said this. And they'll be like, what? And then I hear my son like, mom must be like a mutant and have super hearing or something because she always knows what we're doing. <laughs> So I just let How old are your kids? They're 13. I've got twins. Oh, okay. That's why you're a mutant. Yeah. You had to. <laughs> wow. Wow. You had to listen yeah. to the two of them all the time. I know. All the time. I always had a guilty conscience. I was, <laughs> that was, I was lame. <laughs> I was very lame. I did not do anything bad. <laughs> yeah. If I knew I had lied to my mom, it was like I could hang with that lie for like maybe four hours and then I'd just come upstairs sobbing and be like, I lied oh. to you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm the opposite. Yeah. The stories are coming out now and my mom will look at me like, excuse me, you did what? Because my friend and I, we went mud bogging near where we lived and my friend's like Chevy love truck. And we got to like, we hit a cylinder, a cement cylinder. It's so weird talking about like, remember that time where we hit and we thought you died because you hit your head and then my mom's like, (laughs) oh my gosh. What? You did? I'm like, oh no, no mom, I'm just kidding. And she's I'm like, you can't ground me. 30 years old. You can't ground me. I'll ground you. And I'll now you that right I'll now. be 41, she's like, I still can whip your ass. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. That's true. That's true. Well, and you were doing something very different at the age of 16. Yes, I would never even think to do oh, this. Oh, yeah. You were running an eBay store. My mom actually just reminded me of that. I had totally forgot that that was even something I did. So I got super into vintage clothing and thrifting when I was in high school, I guess probably influence of my upbringing. Um, And so I pretty much all of the clothing that I wore in high school was thrifted. And it may have been more of a trend in the rest of the country, but it was definitely not a trend in my hometown. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. I was a little bit weird. Yeah, same. Um, Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But I I would find all of these like incredible vintage coats in our thrift stores, like 1950s, like beautiful coats that were in amazing condition. And I can only keep so many of them. Mm -hmm. And so I was just this little entrepreneur. I think eBay was actually kind of new at the time. I don't, I probably like in around 2001 or 2002, I feel like it was like a pretty new site. And I would take pictures on our like, digital camera that had like the big floppy disk that would oh, go yeah. into <laughs> oh, yes. and, and then I would upload them and get them listed and then my and then I would make my mom package them <laughs> oh I love that like making but, like I know you don't want to be a part of this mom yeah but yeah so I had t- kind of totally forgot that I did that but my mom was reminding me and so that was that was my little first entrepreneur endeavor and um yeah i was i was obsessed with marilyn monroe at the time and jean mm-hmm. harlow which i know they're like different time periods but just the bleach blonde yes. hair and i had my hair very bleach blonde and cut really short and i would i would wet set it at the beginning of the week uh. and like get it in like my cute little style and then would like just shellac spray it mm-hmm. and then just wouldn't wash it for the whole week this was how I did my my life and in, in mm-hmm. high school and I think I was a little bit seen a little bit odd <laughs> you like seriously you're a girl after my own heart so I'm a hairdresser by trade okay. okay and when I started like being able to do my own hair I had the same kind of progression that you did of being obsessed with old Hollywood 30s mm-hmm. 40s 50s and I would do the same. I didn't set it for a week, but I would spend hours curling my hair and trying to mimic those styles mm-hmm. that at that time you couldn't find a tutorial online. Right. You could maybe find like an old magazine that would have a step-by-step set. But if you didn't mm-hmm. understand how like curls worked, you were kind of like up shit Creek. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. Oh, no. I had some pretty bad styles for a while until I sorted it out. But <laughs> yeah, I, I was obsessed. <sighs> No, I love that. And I love that, you know, every time we we sit down and we talk with somebody, I love hearing, like, we all think that we were, like, the weird one and alone. And, like, this show has brought, like, all of us that had this weird high school where we were just, like, the kid that was wearing vintage, the kid that was thrifting. 
into like obscure old things are like now having their moment to be like, yeah. no, that was me too. Yeah, I know. Like I did that. Yeah. Like we were all trying to find our own spot in the world and didn't want to be like everybody else. And yeah, now it's paying off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like something that ha- something happened in college slash moving into being an adult with a career where like I created this narrative for myself that I could, I wasn't allowed to do that anymore. And I like let go of it all for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, I would sort of have like little hints of vintage kind of pop through with my style, but I very much went into more like mainstream fashion Mm -hmm. because I felt for some reason I decided that's what I had to do as an adult Mm -hmm. in that had like a real job. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until the start of COVID that I was like, what? why am I doing this? This does not feel like authentic to me. Mm-hmm. I love wearing vintage fashions. Why can't, why, why can't I do that? Yeah. And so that I really just this last year is where I kind of like let myself start doing it again. I'm like fully embraced having the hairstyles and the makeup and the clothes. And I finally feel like I'm like myself, you know? Yeah. It was like so refreshing to read that because I feel like I'm kind of at that turning point too right now of I work in an industry that is um, kind of a bully about the way you should look, right? And I spent like, so I worked for a company where all you could wear was black with like accents of gray or white. Right. And I spent so much time just shopping for black clothing, which if you know me, that's like my calling card. Yeah. That now, like when I put a piece of color or pattern on, everybody's like, oh, that looks so great. And I'm like turning back into like where I like to sit is which is like four-year-old style. <laughs> which is like lots of pattern, lots of color. I love it. And different things like that. And getting back to that feels like what you described. It just feels so like it's almost like coming home. It feels really mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you are just getting back into it too, because Jill's a nurse. Yeah, I'm all about comfy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she gets like her moments on like the weekend. Yeah, like I wear scrubs all week, and then come the weekend, it's it's hard to pick what to wear because it's like I get to wear real people clothes mm-hmm. and right and do my hair and my like I started doing my makeup more. Like I used to really do bold eyes and like that kind of stuff and I kind of backed away and now I'm doing it again and people are like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, she fancy today. Watch <laughs> out. She's in a mood. And I'm like, She's you're back. right. I am I in a mood. It. I love it. <laughs> but I Yeah, love- I used oh sorry. No, go ahead. That's the one thing that's so hard about Zoom is you <laughs> don't know if the <laughs> other like, person's because you can't hear somebody take talking. that breath to go <laughs> yeah. talk. Yeah. So don't worry. It's okay. It's just Zoom. I was just going to say, I was, I don't know if I told you in my little um, bio that I used to be a private chef. So I worked for a family in Chicago for three years and I worked probably 60, 70 hours almost every week, mostly did not take days off. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no reason to go into work like this Mm -hmm, in, in a, in a private chef world and so i yeah i really feel like i lost myself in that job mm-hmm. for sure you do when you're so consumed and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing and mm-hmm. you know you're trying to show people that you can do these things and so i think a lot of us do lose ourselves thinking we have to prove 
mm-hmm. that we can do it mm-hmm. regardless of, you know, you, I want you to just look at this one thing when I'm a whole package. Right. Exactly. Like exactly. this is all of me. You get all of me mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think a lot of us lose that. Yeah. And then we turn 30 and we're like, psych. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love Kate okay, that private chef thing is quite the popular topic on TikTok. Oh my because goodness. it's wild. You glaze over it like you're <laughs> making steak and ramen. No. <laughs> that is not she was a private chef for somebody that had a food allergy. And they rented an apartment that they cooked all of the food at. So there was no yeah. cross contamination. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It it was a wild job. I, it's hard to explain to people and I think people feel like it it sounds over exaggerated mm-hmm. or they can't understand why it was set up the way it was. Um, but I was, so I was hired by family, but I, I have to be really careful about how specific sure, I get sure, sure. with it. Yeah. But um, I was hired by a family to cook for only one person mm-hmm. in the family. They had a long list of food allergies and reactions. They weren't all allergies. Um, and so they, yeah, they didn't want me to cook in the family's home. And so they rented an apartment that was like across the street from the home Mm. that was nobody lived there. It was just our kitchen, essentially. And so like the living room was just filled with prep tables and freezers and refrigerators to store all the food. And like the bedroom was like a dry storage room. So it had, you know, all of our dry goods, all of our packaging things, like all of our equipment for travel and stuff like that. And Every single thing this person ate was made 100% from scratch by us. So did Um, they just not eat? Like, this is what is confusing to me. Was the regular family still cooking meals for themselves in their house? Yeah. Yeah. So the diet was so limited. When I got there, there were only 12 ingredients in this person's diet. So everybody's like, well, why didn't you just cook for the whole family? I'm like, do you want to only eat 12 ingredients mm-hmm. if you don't have to? I don't think you do. Right. I mean, th- really right. think about how many ingredients that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So the, the family, you know, just pretty much fend for themselves. Sometimes I would do some grocery shopping and things like that for them. Right. But this wasn't just a full-time job for me. It was more than a full-time job for me, but I also had two assistant private chefs that worked underneath me um, wow. that were full-time. And so, and the family traveled a lot too. So anytime we would travel, we would get fresh produce wherever we were going at the place, but everything else had to be brought with us because we got meat from a specialty farmer that didn't feed the animals soy. And we got, you know, everything had to come with us. So we would take private jet and bring all the food with us. And that was quite an intense time it sounds really stressful to be like hyper aware of every single Mm -hmm. ingredient like my child just has a dairy allergy yeah but it's not severe enough that i have to check all dairy well yeah it's super because i've taken care of patients that have you know um Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you would not believe how many allergies like and you have to go through them all and be like, okay, well, what's your reaction if mm. this happens and this and this and this? And it is, it's super stressful because whenever I'd give them something like a new medication, like we would have to make sure that nothing in their allergies was affected. And it mm. was like, anytime I gave them something, I'd be like, okay. I just yeah. would look them in the eye and I'm like, okay, if you start feeling anything, right, you call me and I'm coming yeah. in. Like, but yeah, like doing that, like I can totally understand how stressful that is. 
Yeah, well, that actually wasn't really the stressful part because we didn't make it. There was no pre-made ingredients being used for this person. So the only thing that made its way into the kitchen were like the 12 or we ended up were able to add a few more in eventually, but were the 12 like individual ingredients that we could use. So that was the only thing available to us to cook with. So I wasn't ever nervous about getting, you know, poisoning them or getting them right. having, making them have an, a reaction. But the, the stressful part is, is, you know, when you think about how many things come pre-made for you, mm-hmm. even down to the fat that you cook with, we would get whole pieces of lard and beef fat and we would render them down to cook with. Wow. So when you think about things like that and it, it's, it's so labor intensive. So, so labor-intensive. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because I was like, it's very interesting to hear more about it. You can look at Betty's TikTok because there's because yeah. <laughs> people in the comments are like, well, what about this and what about that? Yeah, it has started quite a conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to say because um, when you were talking about your collecting and how it didn't start until later in life, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that like I think that the people that give other collectors shit for the time they start their collection deserve to step on Legos in a dark room. (laughs) Yeah. Because there is no rule book to collecting. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I have joined some Facebook collecting groups and there's a, there's a little bit of drama sometimes in those groups about how long you've been collecting and if you're a real collector or not. Ew. Yeah, like yeah. if you don't know the ins and outs of what you're collecting, that makes you not a collector. And I'm like, I honestly just buy these things because they're pretty. Yep. I'll be honest. Like my first Pyrex, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I find more and I'm like, holy shit, they come in different colors and patterns. What they- was your first? Uh, my first was a just a little cereal bowl and it had the butter print. It was white Aww. and blue. It was my favorite. I was like, what is this? And then I found um, I've got like just a regular rusty orange bowl that uh-huh. was my neck. I was like, that's when I was like, they come in different colors. Yeah. And then like it's slowly now it's that and depression glass like cake stands. Mm-hmm. I love cake stands. I've got a couple uh, different. I've got some violet color ones and some. You're ambers. making me think now. I need to start collecting cake stands. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you should. Yeah. Like I, every time I bake anything, I'm putting it on a cake stand. My husband's like, "It's just us," and I'm like, "I know, but presentation it's is pretty. everything." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first yeah. first piece of Pyrex? My first piece of Pyrex was. Um, the Cinderella bowls, the pink gooseberry Cinderella oh. bowls. So I learned about Pyrex in high school when I was, you know, having my thrifting days. But I was not a baker at the time. I didn't care about cooking or baking, had literally never baked anything in my life. So I thought it was really cute and pretty. I like looked what it was and like looked up some patterns and I was like, oh, those are so pretty. But I never bought any of it. Mm-hmm. And so then when I got very into baking and I was um, doing my private chef thing and started my Baker Betty blog and all things like that. I would literally spend hours like looking at Pyrex online and just like obsessing over the patterns and just like hoping someday I would get to have them in my house, but never letting myself buy them for myself. I would buy them for other people. I bought my sister a 
butter print fridgy set for her bridal shower. And I bought my best friend like a nesting bowl set for her bridal shower. But I wouldn't let myself purchase them for some reason for, right. for me. Yeah. Um, but I actually signed a cookbook deal at the beginning of COVID. And that Congratulations. was like, thank you. Yeah, thank I you. can't wait for that. <laughs> so that was my present to myself. I decided I was able to let myself buy the, the uh, gooseberry uh, Cinderella bowls. And then it just spiraled from there. <laughs> it really does just look like I didn't even yeah. realize I had a lot until this last <laughs> Paul, I got because of Sam. Sam sends me a picture. She's at this like estate sale. And she's like, what do you want? And mm-hmm. I'm like, all of it. And so yeah. then I bring it in and my husband's like, more? He's like, you just brought some. And I'm like, I don't have that many. And I was like pulling them out so I could re I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard when you pass up. You can't pass up patterns or colors you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel. So I really like to have, I think that like there's some people that really want to own like every piece in a certain pattern. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care about that. I just want like a few pieces of each pattern. Yeah, that's how I am too. Cause, and I use all mine. So it's not like, I don't care if it's like in pristine like condition because I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. So I prefer the scratches and stuff. Cause like I've said before, that tells a story that this bowl has been used a lot. Like it's been used to make a cake or whatever. And I like that story that it holds. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. I, I'm kind of tempted sometimes when I'll see new in box stuff, Yeah, but I, I don't want it because I'll want to take it out of the box and use it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I feel like I would feel I have a hard time doing that. Yeah. Never been out of the box. I know. And that's like, I put myself on a price point. Like I won't spend any more than 40 bucks on a piece like if it's a bigger bowl, I'll spend forty bucks on it because I bought mm-hmm. a yellow gooseberry bowl. That I'm like oh, nice. obsessed with, mm-hmm. but but that's my cutoff. Like if it would have been fifty, I would have been like, Ugh, I really want it, but that's a little out of my price point because I don't because I know I'm gonna use it. So if it broke, I would be like, shit, right? Spend yeah. an ungodly amount of money on this and I broke it. Well, and it goes yeah. back to that this thing that we talk about is like just because something is of value doesn't mean it needs to be used. But when you know that it's popular and it is worth, you know, Pyrex is still very popular and it sells for a lot. And it's like, do I use this and depreciate the value? And you're like, bitch, you're never going to sell it. Just use (laughs) it. You're going to keep it. Yeah. 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 I have a few pieces that are, that would be much harder to replace were I to break them that, I still will use sometimes, but I just don't. It makes you nervous. Because I'm very nervous about Mm -hmm. breaking them. So I have this set of glass bake bowls, which I don't typically look for glass bake, but there's this one pattern of glass bake that I, with the day I saw it, I was just like, I have to have that. So they're called homemaker bowls is kind of the official name, but a lot of people refer to them as measurements. And they have these cute little illustrations around the sides of the bowls that have ingredients, like oh. measurement conversions. Oh, like it'll, Like it'll be like, you know, um, one cup of sugar equals seven ounces or something like that. Uh-huh. And there, there's four of them and each one has different illustrations. They are the oh, cutest thing I have ever seen in my life. And so <laughs> I just Googled it. Wow, yeah. those are cute. So um, they're very hard to find. They're not something that was mass produced by Glass Bake. And 
Um, so once I acquired all four of those, which took literally every day I would get on eBay and Etsy and Mercari and Poshmark and all the sites oh my gosh. and just hunt for them until I found them. But I, I'm very nervous about those breaking because they're not ones that you can find. Either. Yeah, I don't blame you on that one. I would too. I wonder if they were given as like a gift with an oven, like they came <laughs> as something like that. Oh, okay. They did. Yeah. Wow. So, Makes so, sense, yeah. So <laughs> I reached out to Billy Billy B, as oh, you all know, wow. she was on here. <laughs> so, um, because I had been searching for info on these bulls for so long and it's so hard to find. So, you know, Glass Bake was, did a ton of private label stuff. So it's hard to find info on the patterns that you don't see that much because they did so much private label. Mm. And so I couldn't find info. So I reached out to her and she did some hunting and she was like, I feel like they're probably, you know, were some kind of promotional item with an oven or something like GE oven. So then people started coming forward and like my grandma had these and they, they, she bought a house in the sixties and they were just in the oven wow, with like the new oven. So cool. And there was a, an old GE salesman that reached out and was like, yeah, this, they were, they were definitely <sighs> That's with cool. an oven. So, so yeah, they're, they weren't something that you could just like order, you know? Well, on. thanks. Now I need some. Well, Jill, <laughs> I found in doing research for the estates I'll walk through, uh -huh. I was looking up rare Pyrex, right? Because I've looked at it before and I've seen some things. And there's a rare piece that Betty likes, but there's a rare piece that I now have to add to your list. <laughs> You're going to die. There is a hibiscus Pyrex print. Yeah, Jill's part Hawaiian. Uh, man. So I, I looked and it is like a yellow, like mustard yellow bowl. With a band that oh, has hibiscus yes. on it. I know which ones you're talking about because I saw those the other day and I was like, well, <laughs> I told, I showed my husband. I was like, if you ever see this in the wild. You have to buy it. You have to buy it. Mm -hmm. And he's yeah. like, well, $40 is the cutoff, right? I'm like, nope, not for this yeah. one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that's. Sorry, oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like, I, I also give myself budgets, but for certain things, it's like, this is the only time I'm ever going to see it. Mm -hmm. And this might be controversial, but <laughs> all of this stuff is going to be featured in my cookbook and I use it for my business. So it's, it's a write-off. <laughs> I totally would use that if I were you. But you yeah. don't only collect Pyrex. You're mixers. Yeah. So I collect Sunbeam mixers which well. now i ha i'm like everything i'm like I gosh know. darn it now it'd be so cute in your kitchen i know <laughs> i know and so, your, and the um echo is it oh yeah the oven x pans. Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about those until i was reading i'm like well now i gotta get those too <laughs> yeah so oven x was this brand from like 45 to 65 or something like that they were only around for like 20 years and they made these metal baking pans with the this beautiful starburst pattern, like into the metal. Wow. And some of them have kind of like a waffly pattern, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool too. But the starburst, that those are the special ones. But people don't I don't think that people realize that collectors realize that people want them. And so like they're so hard to find because people I think they rusty and people just get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every time I go yeah, every time I go into an antique store, I ask the you know owner, and they never know what I'm talking about. And one time I was home in Kansas, and I asked this guy, and he was like, I showed him a picture, and he's like, oh, those? I have a bunch of them out at my farm feeding my cats right now. 
And I was like, go get them. <laughs> like, I need them right now. <laughs> Did your heart just stop when he said yes. that? <laughs> I was like, can you switch them to some like Tupperware or something? I know, something can I from give the you dollar store? Bowls and you yeah. can give me those? Like, can we do right. a trade? Like, do your cats yeah. really need that? I don't think so. They don't know They're- what they have. Yeah, they're really hard to find. But. Uh, they're so pretty, though. This damn show. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many things added to I'm our sorry. list every week. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. We enjoy it, really. Well, and I found, <laughs> so I hadn't really heard of Glassbake. And then okay. we had Billy on, and that's where I learned about it. And then okay. I went to the youth ranch, and I see this milk glass mixing bowl. And I like, oh, did you hear that velociraptor yeah, upstairs? That's <laughs> my child. Um <laughs> So I see this glass big bowl. I pick it up and it is from a mixer. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know until I watched your TikTok that they had rubber stoppers on the beaters to move the bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh Why did they get rid of that feature? I don't know. I because when I use my KitchenAid, I'm like, God, I just wish it would just spin with it. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It is a very nice feature. I like get kind of nervous using my uh, sunbeams too much because I'm yeah. like nervous that I'm going to burn them out or something mm-hmm. but I do use them every once in a while especially for video content on my YouTube channel and stuff like that um, but it is so cool it's such a nice feature the bowl just spins around but yeah Glassmate Bake made a lot of bowls for sunbeam um, and if you see the sunbeam mixers that ha- are the pink mixers or the turquoise mixers that have the pink or turquoise milk glass bowls those are glass made by glass made. Uh, and those bowls are really hard to find but they are so yeah beautiful yeah your turquoise mixer i'm just like i need that that <laughs> is what i need now mm-hmm. like that is where i hunt i'm hunting your your you, raptor is going crazy mm-hmm. up there my text by uh <laughs> raptor <laughs> the tablet only goes so far on recording days it's all right where do you like do you look everywhere for your baking stuff do you just look like in town locally or do you just like have your ebay alerts set to 900 yeah (laughs) yeah i have uh yeah i have kind of like my rounds that i do online and i have alert set up on ebay i'll you know search around on etsy there's like a few auction sites um and yeah mercari poshmark I do Facebook Marketplace, OfferUp. Um, we haven't really been thrifting lately when the numbers got really high in mm. Chicago. We stopped thrifting. But in Chicago, we have some incredible thrift stores. They There's this chain. They're called, uh, oh, goodness, I can't think of the name of it. But there's like 12 of them in the Chicago area. And they are the most overwhelmingly filled thrift store you've ever been in your life. Oh, God. You walk in this place. And there are things just, the shelves are falling down. There's so much stuff in them. And so I do not feel bad about going to these thrift stores and take in, you know, finding stuff because they are overwhelmed, just coming out their ears with stuff. And so a lot of my like early stuff that I got, we found thrifting at these, these stores that are just so filled. Um, But we haven't really been going lately. Um, but yeah, I kind of do, I look all over. I kind of have learned to a few tricks about finding things that people don't really know what they have and then you can get a good deal. No. Like if you just search like basic, more basic terms, like mm-hmm. vintage mixing bowl 
And so people like maybe don't put the term Pyrex in the title because they don't realize yeah. what they have. And so then people aren't bidding on it. Sometimes you can find some really good deals. Or like if you spell glass bake uh, with two S's, mm. like then you might find some stuff because glass bake is actually spelled with only one S, but mm-hmm. people will misspell it. And then people don't know what they've done. Won't bid against you. Cause yeah. Hey, gray cut all that yeah. because I don't want people to know these tips. <laughs> They can't know it. I need these things. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Like, I've done that, too. I have found, like, the I'll look and I'm like, oh, God, that you don't know what you have. And I feel like I'm robbing you. Mm-hmm. But here's yeah. your dollar for mm-hmm. this bowl. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then you run to your. I know. And then the whole time I'm like, oh, God, I'm a bad person. And my husband's like, they had no clue what they had. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know. But I feel like I should be like, hey, well, you should. And he's like, no. I would feel bad if I was going to then turn around and resell it. Mm-hmm. But if you're you're going to use it and love it. That's what my husband said. He's like, wait, you're going to use it. So what's mm-hmm. the, I'm like, I know. And then because uh, I have gotten quite a collection of cake stands, like I've gotten a few more. And he's like, so are you going to sell these? And I'm like, no. He's like, are you going to open your uh, catering business? I'm like, probably not. <laughs> He's like, so why do you need them all? And I'm like, for the parties. He's mm-hmm. like, what parties? COVID's happened. And I'm Not like, forever. well, I like to bring them out. And I one day we'll have parties again. And people are going to ooh and ah over every single piece mm-hmm. that I have. Plus, you have yeah. a big kitchen now. I do have a big kitchen. And you can rotate them out with the Decor. season. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Start decorating with them in his office. I should. <laughs> there you go. He asked for it. I know he did. Speaking of kitchens, let's talk a little bit about what you do outside of collecting. Yeah. Because that is, I think, the coolest thing that you're making baking accessible to everybody, whether they know how to do it or not. Yeah. And Jill was like, what? She bakes too? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think I have saved every recipe you have posted on Instagram because I'm like, ooh, I got to try that. Ooh, I got to try that. Nice. And like your ganache, I'm like, finally, somebody has like broke it down for me and I know how to do this now. Mm-hmm. Like. Awesome. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I started blogging in 2011 when nobody was doing that as a job. I just wanted to like talk about geeky baking science stuff for my own enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And I was actually a music therapist at the time. I have a oh. degree in music therapy. So I was just like, wanted a place to like have this outlet for baking. And um, so, but then people started reading it and I started like getting a a decent following. And so over the years, my blog has really morphed into more of a baking resource website. So I don't talk about my life really or anything Mm -hmm. on it. I, I really do like very classic baking techniques, baking tutorials. And I feel like one of the things that makes people intimidated by baking is just they don't understand what I call the whys of baking. Mm-hmm. Like, why does this recipe use baking soda and this other one uses baking powder? And why does your butter need to be at room temperature and rest this recipe and cold in this recipe? You know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm always, I'm always trying to break all that stuff down and make it really accessible and approachable. And so now that is my full-time job. I've been doing, I've been doing it as my full-time job for three years. So I, my website is my main um, part of my job is where my main income comes from. And then I also make YouTube videos. And now I'm 
on TikTok, making <laughs> TikTok videos, which I was like very resistant to doing for a long time. But now I am in love with it. And mm-hmm. I love TikTok so much. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. And then I'm writing a cookbook. So I'm finishing up that right now. It'll be published in. it'll be released on October 12th. 2021 i can't wait so so excited for that lots of pyrex and fire king will be featured uh. in it <laughs> are you doing is it like a baking fundamentals cookbook yeah it's baking fundamentals so it's very much like i kind of refer to it as bringing culinary school to the home baker Ooh. very very much breaking down classic techniques and mixing methods And then the recipes in the book are all my master recipes that I have developed over the years. So for instance, you know, I have like a sweet batter bread master recipe that anytime I'm going to make muffins or some kind of like sweet loaf bread, that's what I start with. And then I flavor it with different things. And so the book will show you how you can take this master recipe and there's kind of like a flavoring chart. Wow. That you can sort of like choose your own adventure and create your own recipes. Oh, I love um, that. Well, I'm sure you explained too, because since you love the science side of baking, like what different ingredients can do to your recipe and how to counteract right. that. That's right. so cool. Yeah. yeah. So that is my big project right now that I'm trying. To, I'm doing all the photography right now. So that's, oh, that's a lot. That's the last part of the process, which is quite a quite a job but I'm really excited to get it finished when did your passion turn from like private chefing regular cooking to baking like when did you feel the pull to go oh I actually really like this instead so I started baking right out of high school I just started teaching myself and when I first understood that baking was a science uh, that really drew me to baking because I've always really had like a math and science brain and so Mm -hmm. I was very into baking starting at like 19 years old and, but I, then I started getting very interested in cooking. So I decided to go to culinary school in 2013. I was already doing Baker Betty blog, but I wanted professional training and I wanted, I decided culinary school over pastry school because I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go with my career. Mm. And I, I already had like a pretty good foundation in baking and pastry So I knew that traditional culinary school would still cover some of that, but then it would go more into the stuff that I wasn't as familiar with, with the savory cooking. And so then when I graduated culinary school, that's when I I went into being a private chef. And I just wanted to, to have a job where I was able to be creative and develop recipes. So my private chefing job was very focused on developing recipes because the person had so Mm -hmm. few ingredients. Um, but yeah, I never, I never necessarily like went away from my love for baking. That has always been there since I started cooking. Um, but once I, once my blog became something that I realized I could like actually make a living from it, then I was all in. I did. I was like, I want to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And so, yeah. And, and my private shopping job was very consumed. Like it was so consuming of my life I didn't have a life I wasn't able to take vacations or anything outside of work was very uh draining so yeah and it probably took the joy out of cooking from yeah yeah it it honestly did yeah Mm -hmm. so so yeah it was 2018 was when I uh very beginning I left the the chefing world and 
full time as Baker Betty. I love that. So that's yeah. fantastic. I'm a huge fan of like almost recklessly chasing your dreams and doing like this makes me so happy. I'm gonna make this work for me. Yeah. 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 That's well, cause I I'm kind of like, well, when I had to cook because my mom went to beauty school. And so my dad, he was a jet engine mechanic for the Air Force. So he only really knew how to make hamburger helper. <laughs> and so if anybody was going to do anything different, you had to learn. So I taught myself how to cook. And then probably like five years ago or so, I wanted to start baking. And my husband's like, who are you? What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, I just started buying all these like different like decorating tips and like pastry bags and just like jumped right in and I that's I I'm the same way I fell in love with it like it's just an artwork that you can just do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and as long as it tastes good people will be like amazed by it and that's how I fell into it and I love like the decorating part and like the hit like the chemistry and the science behind it is like it took me a while to realize that my cakes were always flat because we're like what seven thousand yeah, oh. super high elevation and then it just yeah. dawned on me and i'm like well hell yeah that's why my cakes keep oh yeah flattening out but high yeah. altitude baking is difficult yeah it's yeah. def there is definitely a science to that because it's yeah. like one little thing i do wrong and it's like well, i gotta start all over maybe that's why i think i'm a bad baker it's just because of where we freaking live yeah no it's it's really hard to book. Wow, it here. is hard. There's there's a lot of adjustments you have to make to recipes depending on your altitude. Yeah, yeah. noted. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jill is making herself sound really modest with the cake decorating. Yeah. The first cake I saw that she had decorated was a succulent cake made with piped oh. frosting. So don't be modest. That's awesome. It was excellent. That's a, that is a skill. I am not a decorator. You know, I, I, anytime people want decorating tutorials for me, I find a colleague and I refer them. To them <laughs> yeah. And not, not you're actually part of a bunch of bakers that are doing this virtual oh, yeah. workshop in May. Yeah. So it's called the Bake Fest. It's this online baking conference. And so there, I think there's like 40 people that are giving courses at the conference. And so... Um, yeah, lots of decorators and then people like me who are more like in the science world. There's somebody doing a sourdough session. Yeah. There's I love sourdough baking. Yeah. That's enough. That's one of my other <laughs> that's things what I that do. I teach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm it. super excited for that because mm-hmm. I am. We should take that together. We should. Yeah. Yeah. It's going <laughs> to be really fun. Love to have. What else are they? So is this a conference over the course of like a weekend, a week? It's, it's two days, uh, the May 21st and 22nd, and then there's there's online sessions all day, and a lot of the sessions, like, each time slot will have, like, three or four going on at the same time. So, but if you buy the VIP ticket, you get recordings of every session after. So, if there's a time slot when you are interested in more than one session, you'll be able to go back and watch. Um, but, yeah, there's... There's baking demos. There's some sessions that are hands-on. So they'll like send you the recipes beforehand if you want to bake along with them. There's like business sessions for people who are content creators, want to like learn how to make video or be on camera and stuff like that. So there's so many different things. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm nudging you. I know. I was just thinking like sitting here like you make it look so easy. Mm -hmm. 
I make baking look easy? Yes. Like the oh, whole really? thing, like everything. I'm just like, gosh, you just like, every time I do it, I'm like, I've made a mess out of everything. Oh my like, gosh. I will. I'll start making a video and I'll be like, I'll post this on Instagram. And then I'll look at it. I'm like, nope, nope, not going to do it. You do not see my kitchen on a daily <laughs> basis. I actually just hired my husband on payroll to be my dishwasher. Literally. He washes my dishes. That when is recipe. smart. When I'm recipe developing, when I'm shooting video mm-hmm. and, and I actually do have a, a, an assistant that works for me too. She hasn't been cut. She's been mostly working from home this mm-hmm. year, but when I do vi- video shoot, she comes and helps me set up and get everything organized. So it, well, it's it looks not, amazing. It's not easy. <laughs> I know it's not because my back, the back window when I do, I'm like, God, this is horrible. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I went to buy cornstarch from the bulk bins the other day at Winco and I was wearing black as I do and it was just like this puff and then I still had all of my shopping to do and I was like beating myself (laughs) trying to get the cornstarch to go away. Yeah, I do. Every time I bake something, I'll be like, great, right? And then I like put the flour in and I turn my mixer on not even thinking and then it's just this bomb and my son's like, whoa, mom. Yeah, yeah. no, that you have to be careful. (laughs) I just come watch Jill bake. I feel like I anytime I leave the house, I have like bread dough stuck somewhere on my shirt or mm-hmm. hair or uh-huh. something. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel when I'm cooking too. Like my husband will come behind me and there'll be like a piece in my hair in the back. And he's like, how'd that get there? And I'm like, couldn't tell you. No clue. Couldn't <laughs> yeah. tell you. Just couldn't flew. <laughs> well, Baker Betty, where can our, before we get into the estate sale walkthrough, where can our listeners find all of your goodies online? So my website is bakerbetty.com, spelled with an I-E, not a Y. <laughs> <laughs> and then I am at Baker Betty on all of the other social media platforms. So YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Nice I'm job. everywhere. Nice yeah. job. Yes. And then my, thanks, uh, my cookbook will be, it's called Baker Betty's Better Baking Book. It is coming out October 12th by Mango Publishing. It'll be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all places. Um, I'm so excited. I'm excited to actually spend some time working through your website and working through some obstacles that I thought I had just because I wasn't a great baker. But now it's like, I love the science behind things. That's one of the reasons I worked for the company I did with hair is I love the science behind hair. And I'm excited to do this. We should start baking something for our cocktail hours. I know I thought about it, but since I can't taste or smell, I'm true. Like, eh, I don't want to poison get it back. people. Yeah, you can get it back. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to get back into my sourdough baking. COVID kind of stole that joy from me, and I didn't. I let my starter go to pits, and so I got to restart and redo I know. That. That's one of my yeah. things I want to start doing is more sourdough. I love sourdough baking. I have, a, I have a very detailed playlist on my YouTube channel that's like, all sourdough focus. Oh, perfect. Going yeah. straight to that. I'm straight. just going to be on YouTube all the rest of the day watching <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> this is, I had this epiphany the other day of like, I you remember the moms that had like TVs in their kitchen. Yeah. I get it now. I get yeah. it now. Yeah. I spend so much time in there that I'm like, I would watch whatever. Uh, now I just listen to podcasts or music. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, same. that's all I do. <laughs> so um, this is Statesell Walkthrough. For those of you new to the show, every week I write an imaginary Statesell Walkthrough based on our guests' interests and likes. Really? I feel like it's just because you hate me. Yeah. Um, I do feel <laughs> especially guilty about this because I think Jill is finally going to just leave the show <laughs> or punch me right in the face and make me regret it. <laughs> 
These estate sales are completely made up, manufactured from real life items you could find out in the wild. Yes, that's the key part here, people. <laughs> it is fake. It's fake. However, <laughs> when you make your choice, you regret it yeah. immediately. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Haunt My seventh dreams. circle of hell is everything I've put people through <laughs> in the estate sale walkthroughs. And today we're just shopping around at an estate sale in a small Midwestern town. It's a large home with years of collecting. We come first to a table filled with vintage kitchen items. One of the many tables. This table has enamelware. Do you choose an enamelware coffee pot, an enamelware tea kettle, or an enamelware pitcher? I don't want to scratch your eyes out right now. That's fine. I don't need them. <laughs> They're bad enough. Oh, I think I'm... Uh... Either between the pot or the pitcher. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the coffee pot. I love. Um, I love those. I, tea kettle. It's easy. I'm, oh, I'm, already, <laughs> I'm already on the hunt for a Catherine Holm tea kettle. So, uh, which curse you for introducing me to that shit on your TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I know there is so much you have. In, I'm mm-hmm. like, why? How do I not look for know that? this? And then I'm like, well, I got to add that to the list. Yep. Um, I think I'm going to go with the pitcher. Oh, Joe loves to entertain. I do. None of us are going to fight each other over any of the items. Not today. No, not right now. Well, it's still soon early. As the camera turns off from Zoom, <laughs> Jill's going to karate chop me. Okay. The next table we come to is another kitchen themed table. This one is full of the odds and ends that you find in the drawers of a kitchen. Do you choose a vintage echo baking crimper, a vintage icing spreader, or vintage scoops. If you people could see my face mm-hmm. right now. She's not happy. <laughs> not happy. What are you going with, Betty? Well, I don't actually know what a crimper is. So it's the rolling rotary wheel that you would like run to make oh, like ravioli oh, oh, or oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, those yeah. kinds of things. Gotcha, gotcha. I think I'm going to go with scoops. I love vintage scoops. I know. Those are like. Especially if they have some Bakelite handles. Mm-hmm. Those are my fave. Yeah, they for sure those do. Are super cute. I'm also going with scoops because for some reason I can't buy enough of them. You do have quite a bit I have of a, a lot collection. of scoops. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And wood. functional. See? It's super functional. See? That's how I got that cornstarch out of the bag from the bulk. <laughs> it was a vintage <laughs> scoop. Uh, God, it's between the. Icing spreader and the crimper. And it's a promotional icing spreader. Of course spreader. it is. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Because <laughs> it's the one I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with the oh, the spreader. Okay. Good choice. Good choice. Good choice. See, I regret it though. I feel like that's very on brand for you, Jill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, it's decorating. I'll bring my scoops over. <laughs> you can hire me as your scooper. <laughs> You'll be my professional scooper. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. We'll measure it by weight though. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> yes. Which I I got to get batteries for my scale. I'm like, after my own heart. Yeah. I hate. Oh, man. You have to bake with a scale. Don't trust your measuring cups. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I get I get that it's not the norm in the U.S. and that a lot of people just don't know. But I promise. Just try it. It's so much See, easier. And so when I first started baking, I just used the, you know, the measuring step. And then I just like this. And then I found a recipe and it was both measurements. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what's the difference? So I did the, I did it by the scale. And I was like, my world mm-hmm. has just opened wide, wide, wide. The, the, that's, 
Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I've had some people tell me I'm pretentious by promoting that. No, no. But literally, it's like, it's actually easier. Mm-hmm. It's easier yes. and more accurate. Yes. I love that I can put uh, cuts down on my dishes, first of mm-hmm. all, because I'm using one scoop usually. Yeah. And like my set of teaspoons or whatever, or a spoon. And I put my bowl on top of my scale and I put everything in it. And that's it. I don't have to do all this different stuff. The thing that pushed me over the edge of using it all the time was when I was doing sourdough because sourdough is kind of precise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think that it's move into using a kitchen scale. Really. So much easier. It is so nice. I apologize for this next one. No, you don't. You I do. really don't. <laughs> the last kitchen table. Okay. This is all baking ephemera. Oh, God. Do you choose the box of recipes by the homeowner or a first edition Betty Crocker cookbook. <sighs> I'm sorry. Kind of. The very first one. Have you seen the cover of the first? Yep. Yeah. It's beautiful. No, but there's something about a homeowner's recipes. Mm-hmm. And she's old. So I think I think I choose the homeowner's recipes because that is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And if I really wanted the Betty Crocker cookbook, I could hunt it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my thinking. I think I'd go with the recipes too. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. There's just something about people who like because I have a bunch of my great grandma's recipes and just having her handwriting mm-hmm. and these recipes I grew up with. Mm-hmm. It's just there's just something about it that is just you can't you can't yeah. replace that. And the little handwritten note additions. Yeah. And I'd be so scared that they wouldn't get purchased and then they'd get thrown away. Well, you and know, that they, makes me yeah. so sad. Mm-hmm. I hate it when I see, like, I've I've come across a few, but it wasn't anything that I would cook anyway. So I was just like, oh, I don't know. But I regret not getting them now mm-hmm. because I knew they just got thrown away. And then I was pissed at the family that I'm like, why don't you want this woman's recipes? Right. Like it's she sad. baked, she cooked with love. Yeah. And you're throwing it away. Yeah. Rude. Yeah. Last section. We are out of the kitchen now and we are headed off to the master bedroom. Laid out on the king bed is all of the lady of the house's purses. Do <laughs> her your face. Betty just lost her respect for me. She's like, oh, we were doing so good. So do you pick the orange lucite handled and metal mesh bag, the leather shell clutch, or a hand-tooled leather clutch. Every week, I think, God, what did I do to piss Sam off? And I still haven't figured it out to apologize. I'll tell you at the end of whatever we do. <laughs> it's nothing. It's I just... Know. What are you going with, Betty? I'm going Lucite. <gasps> oh, that's what I... I'm always surprised. I always think somebody's going to go one way. Really? Yeah. No. Ooh. Yeah, I think I'm going the loose sight one too. Ooh. There's something about a mesh bag that I just. And I'm going to go with the leather shell clutch because it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have, I like um, anthropomorphic bags and weird shaped, like I have a hedgehog <laughs> clutch right here. Yeah, you t- yeah I can totally see it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tapestry gigantic tote bag that's like deer. <laughs> yeah, it's I love it. old carpet bags. I love it. That's all. That's all the torture I'm putting everybody through this week. Thank you. That wasn't too bad. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you. I will. I'll be sure to add some spicy ones to the Instagram this week for Please. other people yeah. to choose. I, 
love it. We'll add some more. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Um, I can't wait for our listeners to discover Baker Betty and to discover that baking is accessible to everybody and fun. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy. Yeah. We love it. I can't wait to order that cookbook. Yeah. I can't wait to get my hands on that thing. Mm -hmm. We're going (laughs) to bake our way through the summer. Love it. Be sure to stay tuned to hear even more about Baker Betty's collection in this week's Curio Corner. Baker Betty. I hope I didn't make an idiot of myself. <laughs> well, and I, I can't remember if we talked about it during the recording or what, but I, I think I did. I said I found her on TikTok and I did this. I felt like I was, it was our 30th wedding anniversary <laughs> and I had found you the most priceless piece of jewelry and was presenting it to you. It, I was like a kid on Christmas. I, oh. I had to psych myself up the whole week. Like I had to have Tammy talk me off the ledge. Like you'll be fine. Yeah. Like just just be yourself. And I'm like, I don't know how to be myself. I'm not cool. Oh, like my husband is like, now what questions do you have written down for her? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't do that. And my husband's like, how do you even prepare? And I'm like, Sam does it. And then I just jump in. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine but this time i left a section on the show run to just i know questions. and i was just like oh fuck and i looked at you and i was just like do it that no she was so cool she was so nice oh man um so her, cute yeah adorable she's that, wearing a green dress with a white yeah, Peter that Pan color. green oh, i was so like Ooh, that is your color yeah but um no she and i <laughs> And I hope a lot of people realize you don't have to be a collector. You don't have to be doing this forever for us to want to know you. No. And because her and I are about the same. We didn't grow like we didn't grow up collecting and we have our niche right from the start. It just kind of fell into our laps. Mm -hmm. And I love that she uses it the way I use it. And it's like that's how it's supposed to be to us. Yeah. Which is not for everybody and we get. Well, and I think it's really cool that like, so I grew up collecting, like I didn't know any different, right? Right. But I feel like now, like when you know what you like, like you and Betty know what you like, now you can spend your adult money on your collection. Yeah. And not have like me where I'm just like, well, I've had this fucking broken plate (laughs) for 10 years. I should probably keep it. I know. know. And her collection was so... Oh, it's beautiful. Those mixers. Never in my life was I... I've seen Sunbeam mixers before, Mm -hmm. and I thought they were super cool, but then I'm like... The amount of times I've redecorated that one shelf in your kitchen, in my own brain. I know. I'm just like, oh, this would be... Well, and like I showed on Instagram, I had um, stopped at the youth ranch right Mm -hmm. after we were done. I was just like, let's just stop. And I found a new cake platter. Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, what are you going to do with all this? And I was like, okay, so this over here with all the shit on it, I actually am going to display stuff once we get furniture. So then I can move this shit from this area Mm -hmm. and do. And he's just staring at me like, "Mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. like, it's going to happen. You just wait. And I'm going to take pictures. Leave me alone. But there was some, you know, I feel like there's, I mean, you know about a couple of things in vintage baking, right? And everybody knows about them. You know about Pyrex. Mm -hmm. And then we learned about Glass Bake in Billy's episode, the name of it. And I found that mixing bowl. Yeah. 
and, and we talked about it some more with Betty. Well, today. and I went home too, and I actually have a couple pieces that are glass baked. Oh. And I was like, "Yeah, go me, go past me. You knew what you were doing." Um, but yeah, so um, glass bake was made for Sunbeam, and it turns out that it was created in 1917 by McKay Glass Company to compete with Pyrex. Which makes sense oh. because a lot of the pieces, I thought those ones that I had were Pyrex. Right. Because it had the same look and feel to it. Um, but the spelling was originally B-L-A-S-B-A-K or Glass Bakeware. But was changed somewhere in the first few years, putting the name change somewhere between 1918 and the early 1920s, which I didn't realize it was that old. Wow, no. I thought it was newer than that. I thought it was more 1940s, 1950s. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, but according to um, a very informative blog on the subject uh, by C. Diane Zewig, she says that Glassbake went through a few um, incarnations. It started with Glassbake wear from 1917 to somewhere in the early 1920s, like I said, to just Glassbake with an E. Until the 1953. It then changed to Glass Bake by McKee Division of Thatcher Glass Corp. From 51 to 61. And finally just Glass Bake by Jeanette Glass. From 61 to 83. And as a side note, Jeanette was not a person's name. But the name of the town, Jeanette, Pennsylvania. Was um, where Jeanette Glass was located. So you can tell the age of your glass bake if it has a J prefix to the numbers and the J denotes Jeanette Glass Company mm. and puts the age piece about after 61, which is nice because I hate getting a piece and I'm like, I don't really know. And you like do all this research right. for it. Well, and I've seen like in different groups on Facebook, like glass groups, mm-hmm. who be like, oh, this is Jeanette. This is McKee. This is, I'm like, how? Yeah. It's like, how do you know? But that's, that's how you know. Um, and glass bake was meant to compete with Pyrex, like I said. Um, so you were able to cook with it and put it in the refrigerator. It's not sure about, um, whether you could microwave it as it stopped production before widespread microwaves were used, which I wouldn't microwave it anyway. No. Anything like that, I don't, just to be on the safe side. Uh, glass bake came in lots of different colorful patterns, florals, fruits, and seasonal motifs. They also created more than bowls. There are hodls which could um, which could hold hot things. There are measuring cups and percolators too. Oh wow! Yeah, I get my hands on one of those. I know, and show you the picture. <gasps> Fun, right? Wow, I love that. Yeah, um, and then they also did the individual casserole dishes um, with the covers and stuff like like Pyrex. Um. You can also find glass bake items under Flamex or Range Tech. Oh, oh, Flamex. Flamex. Yeah, Flamex. That's like the ones that they had like the metal handle you could attach to the pan. The ones that your yeah. gra- your grandma had yeah. that she cooked yeah. on her stove with. Um let's see. And then that's all it really says, but um but if you look at the different patterns and the styles and stuff, you could easily see how people can mistake it for Pyrex because there's a couple like they're, um, one of them is a milk glass bowl and it looks like something Pyrex made, but it's actually not. Right. And I think that's a lot, a lot in that time, like, um, Fire King and Pyrex and Glass Bake. And so that's why I think a lot of the, 
the stay cells in their collection is a mixture of all three. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so make sure you look underneath, guys. Look at the bottom. Yeah, look at the butt. Always. Then if it's not marked, because I bought a bunch of jadeite recently, mm-hmm. and some of it's marked Fire King and some of it's not, because they also use stickers yeah. as markers, paper stickers, foil stickers, yeah, to mark what it was. And then if you're like anybody else, you take those off, because you don't think you're having a collection, and then it's gone forever. Yeah. So... There is another interesting baking item we talked about that I have Ugh, seen. Let's not talk about this one. I've, I've seen passed it, it up I know. so many damn times. Because uh, it looks kind of rough at yeah, this and, time in its life. Yeah, and super rusty. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, that's never going to come off. And then, of course, as I was looking for stuff for cast iron, that came up on how to easily remove the rust. And I was like, son of a bitch. Right? So, of course, we're talking about the Echo Oven X pans, bread loaf pans, baking sheets. With those super cute little Starburst Yes, patterns. the Starburst or the waffle design. And I found the most extensive history of Echo. <laughs> you, I'm glad I didn't pick that one. Uh, it's a, it's, I'm only going to cover the Oven X. I'm not going to cover... The whole history of the Echo Company because it is extensive. And this article, the information I'm reading from today comes from madeinchicagomuseum.com. And that's because it was made in Chicago, which I found interesting because that's where Betty lives currently. I know. I wonder if we go there. That's just, I, I just imagine it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you just go into any household and it's going to have some. So Arthur Ketzinger or Keating. He had a head start in life because he was one of the many sons of an immigrant. His father, Edward Katzinger, did a lot of uh, the heavy lifting from Austria and working as their entrepreneurs in the new world of the U.S. And then they first lived in uh, New York City and then they moved west to starting his own business in Kansas City. And then they moved to Chicago where they specialized in manufacturing baking tins for the commercial baking industry. And by the time Arthur was born in 1894, the family, the Katzinger family. I love how both of us just went, what was that? <laughs> like, Sorry. The Katzinger family, they were living in a small apartment above Edward's Tinmouth shop um, in Chicago. And this home was likely part of the Jane Addams Hole House, which is another historic part of Chicago. And it was an important multi-ethnic housing development that welcomed many immigrants into the city and is now a historic landmark and is part of the campus of the University of Illinois, Chicago. And while his father had this business, the Katzinger family, their business started to grow. And in the late 1890s, they had uh, 20 plus employees and it was finally incorporated as the Edward Katzinger Company in 1903, which is where Echo comes from, E.K. CEO is Edward Katzinger Company. Ah. And in 1909, about a decade after the small plant at West Washington Street and Canal Street, it moved down the road to a new, larger, five-story building and next door to the headquarters of a baking supply rival, J.W. Allen Company. Here, Katzinger and his expanded team of 40 employees continued to focus on making equipment for professional bakers, confectioners, and ice cream parlors with a line of low-cost baking pans for the consumer's market, and it laid the groundwork for their leap forward. By 1914, the staff had doubled, and an expanded plant was in the work on the same block on the corner of Washington 
and Sangamon Street. Then it has pictures of the original play and their original advertisings. Um, during that time, a young Arthur Kinziger who was studying mechanical engineering at the Armour Institute. Um, he was going to mechanical engineering school at this art institute and he was like, huh, maybe there's some ways that I can re-engineer this bakeware so that it's easier for the home baker and commercial baker to clean. So shortly after that, um, the son, Ketzinger's son, he was going to school for mechanical engineering. The business was progressing. It was growing. His father was older and his father goes, hey, I'm going to pull him aside. I need you to run the business for me. And he was like, okay, I'll run the business for you, dad. <laughs> so in the late 1800s and the early, so this is in the early 1900s, um, when Edward Katzinger went into business, bake pans were generally made to order. There was no standardization or bulk productions in existed in the late 1800s. But when his son Arthur started managing the plant in the early 1920s, they were producing 70,000 pans per day. Wait a minute. Per day. All at stock sizes ready for the masses. Holy crap. So it was from a template, which both with all the branches of Echo Business would eventually grow to. Yeah. So they were making 70,000 baked pans of all different sizes and all different types every day. And the main object of the factory was to save people money. So every operation had to be combined with another operation in a machine that a, with a machine that was already doing the work mm -hmm. to save something. So they were trying to make everything as cost effective as possible, which is generally bad for business. <laughs> so with this degree in mechanical engineering, Arthur wasn't just playing an active role in the machining efficiency. He was designing many of the modern pans and utensils. But having survived the material shortages of World War I, Echo's growth was untethered in the 20s. Another new plant opened in 1923, covering 17 acres. And in 1927, King Arthur began his conquest of the housewares industry on a national scale, starting with the acquisition of Baltimore's venerable August Mag Company. Not King Arthur like the actual king. Okay. I'm not, I'm sure a couple of you went where, where I went. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. King <laughs> Arthur was like way back when. No, the baking. The baking King Arthur, I think. I don't know what the baking King Arthur is. Like King Arthur flour. I think. Maybe if it's the same. Now I'm going to have to Google that. I don't know. So with this engineering, that article goes on forever and never really gets to the point of the oven bakeware. So they were making something for home bakers and commercial bakers. And there's a couple of things that commercial bakers need to get right. And right. they need to be able to clean things Easily. and bake things mm -hmm. efficiently. So the pattern on Oven X was supposedly supposed to make it easier to clean after baking. So the waffling pattern or the starburst pattern was supposed to make it easier to just rinse off and continue to do things. But there are, if you've seen one of these in the wild, they do, they get a buildup on them, like that black Yeah, because it's just gonna, like, if your dough doesn't, or your whatever you're baking doesn't release from the pan, uh -huh. then you've got, like, leftovers. Yeah. So as we were reading in that other article, the build, the business is growing exponentially. They're buying multiple companies right. to continue their expansion in the baking world. And then in 1945, that's when oven X bakeware was manufactured for only 20 years. So there was the starburst pattern and the waffle pattern and they made round ones with a blade. So you could separate the cake from the cake right. pan, which we still kind of see today. Yeah. But there, um, surprisingly, even though that one article was very, very long, there is nothing that goes into all of the story that I could find 
behind this pattern other than yeah. I think because there wasn't what I can speculate because there wasn't um, anything like it at the time there wasn't mass produced bakeware I mean you had glassware yeah but you didn't have metal bakeware outside of cast iron mm-hmm. and so to have something that they could be like oh you're going to be able to clean this so easily it's gonna be non-stick yeah which you think back in those times it would be harder to make that pattern and still make it cost effective right because you have to depress into it you have to yeah you have to press it yeah so i think that it was like a lot of things during that time of just being innovative i mean yeah back in that time with all that you know everything new coming out you can see where they were like this is going to be right all which i mean they may have pioneered it because look at what we have now with um the different kind of patterns like with the bunk cakes and all those other molds that right. are now available, but yeah, and they made. I mean, it wasn't just um, Echo Company didn't just make baking pans. I mean, they made hundreds of they thousands made of other products, tons of stuff. Yeah, but I think that this was one of the things where they filled a hole in the market to make. I mean, seventy thousand pans a day is fucking ridiculous. That's so <laughs> especially crazy. back in that time. Yeah, and then. To then you think of what's happening, you know, in the 50s and 60s when mm-hmm. you start to get kind of like nonstick or yeah. plastic or glassware is getting, I mean, there's bakeware, glassware, all of those things you're going to get kind yeah. of pushed out. But if you want to read the entire 700 page article, <laughs> it was like the longest article ever. And it never, it kind of covered everything pretty briefly. It just was super brief on everything and not the why behind the pattern, yes. which is what we all really want to know. But. So if anybody knows more about that, please let me know. Because I couldn't, I couldn't find a lot about it. No, and this week's Curio Corner was, I mean, this is, that's pretty much it. We talked about, we talked about a couple of little starlets. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe. Jean Harlow, which is funny because I have a portrait tattoo on my right shoulder and everybody thinks it's Marilyn Monroe when it is in fact a rendition of Jean Harlow. Yeah, which... Just because she's blonde. I know. That's it. That's it, guys. But it was, um, people think that it's Marilyn Monroe because it's blonde. And that was the two when I was in high school. You either knew um, Betty Page or Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. as the two, like, queen. The end when I was growing up, it was Jean Harlow or um, I totally lost her name, but there was another person. Uh-huh. Um, because of Madonna's. Oh, right, song. right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's, that's the only reason. Was it Greta, not Greta Garbo? No, it's totally somebody lasting. will tell us. It will somebody will be like, Jill, dumbass, it's this. And I'll be like, You're right. <laughs> but no, she she covered her stuff for it was funny too that she was like, I'm not a real collector. But she knew a she lot. She knew a lot of her stuff. She knew a lot. She was super sweet. Um, if you guys go to her Instagram if you want to learn the techniques for real for baking, because the she does. She does a good behind the science kind of details on it. And which I love. Yeah. I love that so much. And there was, I, her TikTok is just as great. Like if you really want to like scroll and get lost and then she answers some questions from the comments. I just started doing the TikTok and we're roping you in. Oh God. I told Jill, I said, you have to make your own algorithm. You have to get first past what TikTok thinks you want to see (laughs) and into what you need to see now. I had to, yeah, it's, 
you'll get there now right you. now it's it's the uh, <laughs> i don't know how i even got onto it but it's like the women angry at the gen z oh yeah for the jeans and the part and mm-hmm. i'm like how did i'm not even mad i don't even know who started it like do your own thing i don't care but, right it all just circles back but really no. That was all we had for Baker Betty's Curio. To see everything we talked about in today's episode, be sure to head over to our Instagram at the Mothball Prophecies Original. Check us out on Facebook under the same name, as well as our website, themothballprophecies.com, where all of the information from every episode we have had on and all of their antiques is listed under the respective guests episode tab. Right now, we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons. We just got done with our mothball cocktail hour. We had uh, gimlets today. Yes. Out of some beautiful blown Libby glass that a client gifted me at work. Yes. And they are perfect for those cocktails. Yeah. Just enough. It was 60s themed this month. Next month, we haven't decided yet. So if you... But... If you guys want to ju- get up on that, mm-hmm. go look at our tiers. Um, the link is on our bio for our Patreon. We've got a tier for everyone. Yes. We really tried to be mindful of everybody's budgets and different things like yes. that. And we appreciate the ones who have joined oh, man. so far. It's really, we can't even begin to express how helpful it is. Um, the show does cost us some money to run out of pocket. And it's really nice that you guys believe in us enough to help support yes. it. Thanks, guys. Oh, we just had um, Hayden's episode is out. We will be having um, one specific special Patreon episode every month. We have my grandmother's episode is out on the Patreon. And those will stay up uh, as long as the Patreon is functioning. They'll be yeah. there. So we just want to take this time to thank the Patreon people that we have so far. So we have Scar, who's somewhere in space. Julia in Sweden. Jasmine in Kentucky. Kyla in Indiana, Mandy and Riley in California, TC Lionel, Melissa, Christina, Erica, Becky, and Ashley in Idaho. To join our Patreon, like we said, visit the link tree in our bio. You can go directly on our website, themothballprophecies.com and click the Patreon tab. We are forever grateful for our support team behind the scenes. A gigantic thank you to Gray. Huge. For making us sound good and also editing out our awkward moments. <laughs> Many of mine. <laughs> and mine. <laughs> and we want to uh, thank Spellcheck for making us look so good on paper. Yes. She is the one that writes all of the show descriptions for us. She spell checks and checks all of my emails <laughs> uh, before they get sent out. So without her, I would sound like a fumbling idiot. <laughs> As always. We hope you find some good shit. And we hope you remember to look under the tables. Bye. See ya.